Thank you, Crystal. Let's pray together. God who hears, you drew near to Hagar in the wilderness, and you heard her child cries. As we draw near to you this morning, we ask you to hear our voices and see our hearts. Quiet us and hold us in your loving embrace. Hold us fast so that we might hear your gentle whispers and open our eyes to see you right here at work in our very midst. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Uh, thank you, Crystal, for making this stand. And I was standing there, as I thought about, like, if it fell again, like, if it you know, falls again, why should I, you know, speak or something like that. And so, so today, uh, we are going uh, to dive into a story uh, that's a bit tough to read and swallow. It's a story from Genesis 21, verses 8 through 21. Is about Abraham, Sarah, and Hagar. You remember uh, Sarah? Like uh, Sarah laughed at God when she heard that she would have a baby uh, with Abraham, and she laughed at God in the kitchen. And as Lisa pointed out very well, she laughed and God said, "Did you laugh? No, God, I didn't." And God said, "Yes, you did." <laughs> and really, Sarah did have a baby uh, eventually whose name means uh, Isaac, uh, God laughs, uh, which means God laughs or laughter. And now we are going to continue uh, from there. And let me tell you again, the story we're going to read is not pretty. Um, it's not that beautiful. Um, it shows the flood side of Sarah and Abraham, and they were God's chosen people. But you'll see how the so-called God's chosen people can be mean, right? can be even abusive to others, and you'll understand better why Paul said Abraham was justified by faith, not by work. But this, <laughs> but this is why we love the Bible. The uh, Bible does not flatter even the most significant figures in the Bible. The Bible does not even sugarcoat their flaws, but the Bible just reveals how abusive they were, how oppressive they were, especially in their relationship uh, to Hagar. So take a deep breath. <clears throat> so <laughs> hear the word of God. <clears throat> the child grew and was weaned, and Abraham made a great feast on the day that Isaac was weaned. But Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, whom she had born to Abraham, playing with her son Isaac. Here the, the phrase playing with can be uh, translating as laughing at. It's like laughing at uh, Isaac, whose name is laughter. So Sarah kind of felt like, oh, here take over the position and role of my son Isaac. So, um, so Sarah said to Abraham, cast out this slave woman with her son, for the son of this slave woman shall not inherit along with my son Isaac. And the marriage was very distressing to Abraham on account of his son, that you should. And God said to Abraham, Do not be distressed because of the boy and because of your slave woman. Whatever Sarah says to you, do as she tells you, 
for it is through Isaac that offspring shall be named for you. As for the son of the slave woman, I will make a nation him also, because he is your offspring. So Abraham rose early in the morning and took bread and skin of water and gave it to Hagar, putting in on her shoulder along with the child and sent her away. And she departed and wandered about in the wilderness of Beersheba. When the water in the skin was gone, she cast the child under one of the bushes. Then she went and sat down opposite him a good way off, about the distance of Baalshad. For she said, Do not let me look on the death of the child. And as she sat opposite him, she lifted up her voice and wept. And God heard the voice of the boy. Interestingly, not just the voice of Hagar. And the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, What trouble do you, Hagar? Do not be afraid, for God has heard the voice of the boy where he is. Come lift up the boy and hold him fast with your hand, for I will make a great nation of him. The God opened her eyes, and see, she saw a well of water. She went and filled the skin with water and gave the boy a drink. God was with the boy, and he grew up. He lived in the wilderness and became an expert with the bow. He lived in the wilderness of a parent, and his mother got a wife from him from the land of Egypt. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks, Thank you. Uh, I do not want to sorry for feeling too emotional, but just for your information, like I like to watch American TV shows a lot when I was little. I watched Friends or something like that to learn English, and I also learn about American culture. Later, I found that it was not, it does not represent, but, <laughs> but, <clears throat> but, but I didn't watch uh, season 10 ever, never, of Friends, because it was so hard to say goodbye. You know? <laughs> Uh, okay. Have you ever, uh, friends, <laughs> uh, have you ever wondered about the story uh, behind your name? You know, who picked up your name and why? And some of us uh, were named after a beloved, like, you know, a sister or family member, or some after a character um, in one of the favorite book, or some are named after a biblical figure. And why do you work hard on naming a summit, especially someone we really love? It's because names are more than just labels, right? They reflect identities, stories, and relationships. And here is a woman in today's story whose name is Hagar. She was an Egyptian uh, person, woman, enslaved to Sarah. And in biblical Hebrew, her name can approximately translate as foreign thing or forsaken. Isn't it too dehumanizing, isn't it? Like, uh, just for your information again, um, in my uh, immigrant document, um, once I entered the state, uh, I was categorized as resident alien, right? Resident alien. And think about, like, if you have to be called 
forsaken, foreign thing, or alien, all the day, every day. If you have your name tag on your chest entering the church, you do not belong here. You are not us. What is it like? What, do you, what would you feel? What would you feel? Hagar's name's, uh, name tells us about more than just a name. It shows how she was exploited in such a faithful family of God-chosen people. Hagar's life was very abused, even to the point that her son she gave birth was not considered hers, but that of Sarah and Abraham. Hagar was seen just as a possession, something Sarah and Abraham could use or discard depending on their needs. Hagar was traded just like a pawn in a chess game for the king and the queen. Haven't you ever had that type of experience? And when they need you, you are in the game. But if you are not useful anymore, you are out. This is what Hagar went through. She had to be in the game of Sarah and Abraham, but then to be ousted. Hagar's leaving, uh, which we read this morning, was not actually her first leaving. It was her second leaving. Even before her son was born, she was mistreated uh, by Sarah because of her jealousy, and she had to flee from Sarah uh, to, to find life out in the wilderness. And think about amazing how can a pregnant woman wander by herself in the wilderness? It tells how much Hagar was abusing the family of Abraham and Sarah again. But outside the tent in the wilderness, interestingly, Hagar met God. God came to her where she was and spoke to her and saw her. And Hagar must be very surprised. And interestingly, Hagar named God El Roy. El Roy means the God who sees me. Also, for your information, Hagar was the first person who gave a name God. It was not Abraham, it was not Sarah. But God had a name through forsaken, through foreign things. Then what was next? Um, I wish God could have given her like a bunch of gold or silver so that she can sell them and buy a good house and is it and going back home like that. But God didn't. Surprisingly, God told her, return to Sarah. Return to Abraham's house. I can understand, you know, the call the Duke Deep School to ask some questions to the Old Testament professors, but... To my best knowledge, it was the only uh, realistic solution that she had to go back to uh, Sarah's house. You know, she could have never, uh, she could not uh, let, uh, never, uh, she could not uh, have lived long enough to give a birth in the wilderness by herself. She needed the least uh, security of life by going back to uh, Abraham's and house, and not. And, and then, not surprisingly, um, Sarah and Abraham didn't refuse her. 
Why? Because they thought she was still useful for them. They thought still she was necessary pawn in their game. There was no other choice for Hager but just staying there, staying there. And at the same time, she had to hide her true feelings. And even the vision that she got from Eloi, the God who saw her. Why? Because her vision was very dangerous. Think about if Sarah knew what Hagar saw in the wilderness, how would Sarah react to Hagar? She probably considered her as a threat, right? So she had to hide herself, even hide the vision that she received from God. Hagar had to act as Sarah's belonging, but she never belonged to Hagar, I am Sarah in her heart. Hagar was in the family, but she was not in the family. This story, uh, friends, reminds me of many people who may be in such a families, communities, or systems that are very oppressive and exploitative. They must hide themselves to survive. They must hide their true identities through uh, to, uh, their, their wounds and even their visions they have received from God to survive because they are coming out. Mary cast them to risk their lives, even their beloved ones, socially, mentally, and physically. Friends, Hagar, Hagar in Genesis 21 represents other contemporary Hagars in our days whose identities had to sink in in their service to others. Undocumented immigrants who should go through mistreatment without legal resources. Domestic violence victims who has no place to go but to stay, to survive. And closet persons who should have concealed their true selves and their identities. And even, as you heard last Sunday, some clergy persons who should hide their true identities and their visions they received from God, not for God's sake, for the institutional sake. Friends, but at the same time, this story is also a story of El Roy, the God who sees from which we cannot hide ourselves. It's a story of the God who says, you are not unseen, you are not unknown. I see you where you are. See, I see you. No, I know you. And I have a vision for you. I'll never forget you. Then this story that we read this morning is, is about her second living. Unlike, the fir unlike uh, her first living, <clears throat> Uh, it was not Hagar's choice to leave the house of Abraham, but it was Sarah's. Sarah cast her out. Hagar was ousted as a foreign, as a forsaken, and she was even outed as a foreign and strange by the ruling class. 
They put a label on her again. You are not us. You do not belong here. Hagar was no longer accepted here, regardless how hard she hid herself. Since Isaac was burned, she was considered a leftover or burden, but a threat to them. She was indeed treated as a pawn in the chess game. Unlike the first living, interestingly, God didn't command Hagar to return to the house of Abraham, but this time God allowed Hagar to leave the house and enter the wilderness. Did God lead her to death? For Sarah and Abraham, it was a story of, of expulsion. Expulsion that they thought Hagar deserved, but for God, it was a story of Exodus that God has continued through her life. Even while not knowing where to go, Hagar didn't stop going forward in the wilderness. She didn't return, and she must have remembered the vision that she saw in her first living in the wilderness. She must have remembered a God, a Roy, who has seen her. So she kept moving, believing that God prepared something that she really needed for her. But there was a challenge. No more water and bread were left. And what did she do? She placed, placed her son as far as about, um, about shot, 50 yards away from her because she could not stand watching her son die. And then she fell on the ground and she lifted up her voice and saying, God, I cannot see my son die. I cannot see my son and die. Then what happened? The Bible says that God heard the voice of the boy. Interestingly, it didn't say God just heard the voice of Hagar. What does it mean? Here, um, the word, the Hebrew word for uh, hear is Shema. Have you heard about the word Shema? Shema is a, uh, the Hebrew word. You probably uh, heard about a prayer in Deuteronomy 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. You shall love your God with your whole heart, with your whole, uh, whole soul, and with your whole mind. The word here, there, was Shema. And the same word was used when the Bible said God heard the cries of the boy. Here the word Shema is not just a passive, uh, passive uh, hearing. But it's active listening that is followed uh, by action, that leads to action. And look at what uh, God did. God didn't just acknowledge the pain of, of, of her son and Hagar, but God showed up. As our core value said, God showed up and comforted her and provided uh, for her and promised her again your son would father a great nation. And here also, there is an interesting thing. God didn't say, uh, and God didn't say, uh, come and pick up your son. Uh, God didn't say, go and pick up your son and hold him fast. But instead, God said, come, pick up your son. 
and hold him fast. What does it mean? God was already with the boy, and God invited Hagar to join his work. God's work. The mother love of God was shown here in this story. God even acted through Hagar. God didn't just hear, but acted as well. And that is the God we believe who acts and who hears, who hears and acts. My brothers, my, my, uh, my friends, I believe that this is a story, um, this is not just a Hagar story, but this is a story for all people who seek God's presence and power at work in their lives. This is a story for all people who wants to see God sees them, who wants to hear God hearing them. Some people may think that, you know, Hagar's story is just a side note in the history of um, Israel. Actually, it's not. Hagar's experience, Hagar's story of Exodus, was really important part of the Israelites. You remember when Moses uh, encountered God? Moses met God right in front of a bush. And Hagar and her son met God under the bush. When uh, the number of the Israelites in Egypt grew, the Egyptians considered that as a threat. And it's very interesting, Philippine. And this time, Hagar, who is Egyptian, was enslaved and oppressed. And when she gave birth to Ishmael, um, Sarah oppressed her. My friends, I want to say some people may just think, probably for Sarah and Abraham, this was just a story of expulsion, probably like ethnic cleaning or something like that for their own sake. But for God, it was a story of liberation, a story of liberation. And I know that um, with, our, with my own experience. And while the writing uh, this sermon, and I thought about my time here at CERT, from my time in Burlington and until now, um, I was ousted. I was a Hager. I was a Hager in Burlington. I was abused by the so-called God's chosen people. I once just feared. I could not look for a new life at all. As probably I told you, I could not sleep at all for many months, for many days. But my, but my being ousted, didn't lead to death, but it led to liberation. And you too, my brothers and sisters and my friends, if you feel like you're out yet or even out it, 
to not to think that you're going to lead to death, but that's a new beginning of God's liberation and freedom and salvation. I still remember the day when I met Lisa. I think back in September last year. I was a hacker. I needed somebody to hear, to, to hear my stories. God heard me. Where I was, through Lisa. She really helped me to open my eyes, to see a well here. The grounding words we, we read this morning together was the text Lisa preached on, when, uh, on, on my first Sunday here at CERT. Do not dwell in the past. Do not dwell in the past. I'm doing, I'm making new things. I'm making the new beginnings. Do not perceive it. Do not see it spring forth. Do not perceive it. I didn't thought that I didn't I didn't think that I did a bit like a cry uh, when I was reading the, today's uh, the passage. But surprisingly, here on the pulpit and the stage, I found a new word that touched my heart. I didn't see that word touch my heart that much when I was writing this sermon. But that word was, um, he grew up. He grew up. Third, you've literally come to me, picked me up, held me fast, gave me water that I needed. You made me grow up. You didn't find me a wife yet, though. <laughs> I do not believe that the, my new church's name, uh, Genesis, was not coincidence. Um, I believe God will do the new things. And for me, and God continue to do the new things, not only for me and for many haters. Um, do not just listen to um, the laughter of Sarah, but please hear the cries of Hagar as well. Um, not only the, the cries of the high-profile victims in a titan, but also we are called to hear the cries of the refugees who were killed while they were fleeing from oppression. And I believe that the third you have been God's evidence. 
the evidence of God's liberating power and love for all people, all who want to see God, seeing them, and hearing God, hearing them. This is the word of God for us, people of God. Thanks be to God.